0: Hi, everybody. This is Moshe Fried, and welcome to the very 17th episode of the Class Stars podcast. Today, we have the privilege to talk with Martin Richards, the founder of Coaching for Educators, which is a worldwide company that provides educational organizations with easy access to professional certified coaches who volunteer their time to coach educators. They work for free, pro bono, and today we are going to sit down and talk with him.
1: The big question is, how do teachers like us, who are being pulled in so many directions, with so many demands and so much to do, how do we make sure that we not only get through our lesson as planned, but also make sure that every child is noticed every day, and that each one gets the attention they need to succeed? That is the question, and the Class Stars podcast is here to give you the answer. Here is your host, Moshe Freed.
0: We're, we're very pleased to talk today with Martin Richards, who is a wonderful teacher and I believe is doing a lot of coaching now. I met with him on Facebook a number of weeks ago. We were chatting about different issues and I really liked his thinking, the way he sees himself in a classroom and he's now doing a lot of coaching and a lot of reflecting on what teachers should be thinking. So we're coming from a similar background in that sense Martin, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to be here with us. Well,
1: thank you very much. And one thing you didn't know about me, because I haven't told you yet, is I'm a computer programmer.
0: Really? Wow, that's, <laughs> that is fascinating. So just for, you know, for the people listening to the podcast, up until now, I was just giving Martin a little bit of a background of what I'm doing, and as I've mentioned in the past, I have a software, Class Stars, which is what the podcast is named after, that helps teachers keep track of things that are happening in the classroom in a very simple and intuitive way and allows them to recall the data and identify which students need their attention the most in real time. So we've been talking about that. I showed Mar- um, Martin my my software and now now you're telling me that you're a computer programmer. That is fascinating.
1: <laughs> Your introduction when you spoke to me first today was that you're a social worker and a computer programmer. And I just wanted to go, yippee, but I never got a (laughs) chance. You went straight into telling me about the the software that you've designed, as indeed would I had I designed software uh, of of that kind. Uh, I'm considerably older than you are. and My programming years were in the 80s, the 1980s. And we used computers for... Uh, giving students feedback Um, we had some students who had challenges and we wanted to give them some kind of feedback rather like you're doing Um, but this particular case the students were hard of hearing so we designed a program that would give them feedback on how the computer heard them so basically a microphone would turn their voice into numbers and we would look for an, a clear vowel sound and control over volume. And we use those parameters to fly a helicopter. So the helicopter would go higher or lower, depending on whether you said an A, E, I, O, U sound, and slower and faster, whether you said it quietly or, or not. Well. And These students who initially were shy about speaking because they knew that they sounded like a robot. They sounded a little bit like um, they had a a, a robot voice because they could never hear their own voice like you and I can. It was not the same as putting your fingers in the the ears and and just hearing your your voice in your chest. They were deaf. They weren't able to pick it up. Wow. and we give, we're giving them feedback and they can suddenly voice the difference between cat, cot, for example, because they knew wow. where they wanted to put the helicopter. Wow. And, and we would show them, we would, you know, show them on the, the chart, vowel chart, and we would use that. Um, it's, it's from, uh, the vowel chart is from silent way, uh, Gatanyu's silent way of teaching people to sound without being the role model so that the teacher's silent and the student will be giving visual feedback. Wow. So all the stuff that you've told me today, uh, students need feedback on their performance so they can, in this case, communicate what they say, what they want to say and be heard and understood and believed and be part of a a class.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. You see that? You learn new things every day. (laughs) We do. Okay, so tell me about your background in education. What made you want to go into education? What was it like when you started? Let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, mm, that's going back some 40 years. So what I liked about teaching mathematics was mathematics was always reliable. I mean, history and geography, things change. But in mathematics, they don't. Um, you know, two plus two has always been four, and it will always be four. It was something that I found very comforting in a chaotic world, that mathematics you could really lean into. And I enjoyed learning mathematics. I was very good at explaining it. I would, um, even as a 15, 16-year-old, be a sort of tutor for Um, some of my classmates. Wow. What really got me into teaching was, I think I must have been about 13 or 14 years old. Uh, And those of you looking at me on on video can see that I've got aeroplane ears. Uh, These were great attractions to the the bullies in the school. They would (laughs) ping my ears, you see. Great (laughs) fun. So I knew who the bullies in school were. (laughs) One morning, walking to school, I saw a couple of these um, bullies walking towards me and uh, they made their intentions clear that I was to follow them. Uh, We got to a point where uh, part of the school that's kind of round the corner and it's down some steps is where the guys used to smoke, right? There's always one place down in the school, secondary school. And they tossed me down these concrete steps and there's this little guy, this little leader at the bottom, a little weaselly guy. And he grabs hold of me and he a like, punch in the stomach just to let me know that I, you know where I was in the in the pecking order. And I didn't really know what to expect. I, I was scared, I was trembling with with, with fear, and I, I had some image that something nasty was about to happen. And he yelled at me point-blank range that he wanted me to do his homework. And Uh. I couldn't write because I was so scared. I I wet myself. I, I was shaking. My voice was shaking. But I sat beside him and I talked him through fractions. Wow. Explaining to him what to write and where and why. And from that day, I was his little professor. And I had two, at least two protectors in the school because since I was the the leader's guru, little (laughs) professor, I had had a team of defenders. Wow. And this brought me very early into the idea that I don't have to fight with my fists because I can use words. I may well be scared, but I can can do this. Um, What struck me in that moment was this, this guy was asking for help in the only way he knew, which was his fists. and and making demands and force, if he'd asked me, I'd have done it anyway. He didn't have to thump me for it. And somewhere in a teacher was born in that moment. I can help people go from fighting to learning by, by just by being with them. So that's, that's what took me into teaching.
0: That's a great story. That's really a great story. Wow. I was not expecting you to be a software developer, but even more so, I was not expecting that a bully got you into teaching. You know, that, And the bullies got me
1: out of teaching too. Because <laughs> when, when I went to, it was a secondary school, I started teaching, because you know, when you're mathematics, you, you tend to focus on secondary rather than primary. I wish I got into primary. I wish I got into Montessori. However, I went into secondary school teaching mathematics. The head teacher was a bully okay and he had everyone scared of him and the way he and the heads of department and many of the male teachers in particular kept control of the boisterous teenagers was to hit them wow it was at the tail end of the 1978 something like that 79 when corporal punishment was no longer okay but teachers didn't know how to do anything else wow. and i was not on board with that i was i had a much better way of taking care of boisterous i mean teenagers okay i was 20 something i was not too far off being a teenager so there was, there was I remember one lesson, there was one of the guys, he'd been attracting the attention of the girls. He was at the back of the room, the girls were looking at him. So I walked over and said, What are you doing? And I looked down and he got his underpants on over his trousers, like Superman. I was fascinated. I thought, How the hell did you get your pants off? Without taking, uh, like, did the trousers come off? Did I miss that? So I stood him up, and he was taller than me. That was funny. He was like, 15, 16, all the way up. taller than me. I was trying to be angry at him, but, you know. <laughs> I said, okay, now get your underpants off and put them on without taking your trousers off in front of everybody. That wasn't popular. <laughs> well, it wasn't popular with him, anyway. So I sent him out for a quick five minutes and, and, and suggested he doesn't go for a smoke as well because I'd noticed when he came back. And, and, and in order to tell him off, you know, to, to, to dominate him. I had to stand on a chair. It was very ridiculous. I pulled <laughs> up a chair, stood on it, leaned on it st- little taller and said, don't do that again. And from then on, we were best friends because you know, he knew that I had to tell him off. So I did, but he knew I, you know, I couldn't pump him or anything because I was you know, as skinny then as I am now. And he left the room, he did his, I guess he went for a smoke because he took a long time. He came back with his trousers and his pants in the right order. And from then onwards, he and I were fine. I just had to raise my eyebrow, do I have to tell you again? No. <laughs> but the other teachers didn't have that kind of relationship with the students. I mean, they, they did dominate, they did you know, have that kind of benevolent dictator about them. And when push came to shove, for all sorts of different reasons, the students would be taken in for a physical punishment, which was done in a ritualized way and i was involved in one of those against my will i was basically being indoctrinated in the, the violence of the school system and was witness to a, uh, a beating and that took me out of school as much as a bully took me in a bully took me out I, I, well okay i stayed the rest of the term because you do i mean you don't want to leave the kids the kids right. i mean the teenage right you're not going to walk away from them but it was just that dominating uh, bullying way of holding kids down when I didn't think you need to far yeah. from it far from it uh, as you can probably hear from the, the things I mentioned earlier that I like drama in the classroom because that's where the teenagers are they're full of hormones yes you know, they are not rational beings at this time you know, with all the noise going on they are not rational beings they are being human and let's have more of that and if you can't cope with it then of course you're going to have to defend yourself as a teacher defend yourself against all the drama which takes us to you know it gets out of hand at times
0: so what did you do once you left teaching in, uh, in the late i
1: started my my own school for children who had been expelled uh, or wanted extra um tuition and so half of my students were um, bullied. The students who had been bullied or, or were in danger of being bullied and had chosen to not go to school, and others were gifted. And I, I, what I noticed was that some of, the, some of the students who were struggling had perhaps a lower IQ or whatever you want to call it. We call it MBD in those days, minimal brain damage, thank you very much. We have letters of, of a kind of nature these days. But they just wanted someone to see them for who they actually were rather than measuring them against some kind of standard pulled out of a book somewhere and say, oh, you're short or whatever. See them who they are and ask them, where do you want to go? And I had students um, come to me for a couple of hours a day. Uh, it, as a school, it didn't really work because the, the finances didn't, didn't work. So I was doing another job, daytime and evenings in order to, to, to make the rent. <laughs> and they came, my school was in my basically my living room um, and the kitchen and the bathroom and the garden and the street and anything else that we could possibly get hold of. All the parks. Um, you know, all, I've done trigonometry in the garden, in, in, in the park. Uh, as a math teacher, it's glorious. You can't do trigonometry. I've had them drawing uh, ellipses um you know on on the concrete and on grass using basically two focal points and, la, 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 la. and they would go out and do it outdoors and so they come indoors and it makes a whole lot more sense because they they have it in their body same mm-hmm. with angles and measurements and building and you name it. so yeah that was a year and a half maybe two years before that fell apart <laughs>
0: But it must have been great. It must have been great while you. Were I
1: loved it. I, I long back to that time. I, I still have a little bit of it now because I tutor at local colleges. Um, now I'm a coach. I don't use mathematics. Okay. More than. It's a kind of. You know, it's an excuse. Why are we here? We're doing mathematics, but I do a lot of coaching around. Students' attitudes to learning, particularly learning mathematics, because it's one of those heavy subjects that everyone thinks you have to do. Um, so I go to—I've got five colleges I can go to.
0: Nice, you
1: know, nice, and I go. Well, I'm not the only one. Um, there's th- usually three or four of us. Never, never fewer than two, um, and it's all done for free. Um, and some of us are um, pensioners, like myself, some of us are students, a um, technical college, and they're in it mostly for the mathematics. But we older guys, we know it's all about life. No, it's nothing to do with arithmetic. It's all to do with how you approach life. No, okay, how you approach maths. So we solve problems together. Um, Excellent. So I, I, I'm a little bit back into that. Um, it's easier with, without the requirement of uh, financial ends meeting
0: right right so what happened next after the cl- school closed up what was your next what was the next stop uh journey? well let
1: see um next stop was to move to sweden
0: where were you living prior
1: uh, i was living in um, england south, south okay. part of england I'm, okay. I'm british by by birth and <laughs> by nature um so I lived there for about 28, 29 years. Came here on holiday, met someone, came back. Ah, you know how that is. Um, are we gonna live here? Are we gonna live there? Da, da, da. And I'm more flexible. I'm, I'm a bit of a weed. I'll grow anywhere. And I moved here and I taught in a primary school. So what you were showing me with all the, the, the young faces. Yeah, I've done that. Um, I taught in a secondary school, a little bit. I mean. It's what I'd done before, so it's like my first landing. I I came here in 86, but by 1990, I'd started my own education company. So I've been working with educators, with teachers, with principals since then. Wow. Um, As a tutor, trainer, teacher, uh, yeah, mentor, nowadays mentor. I do as little as possible.
0: (laughs) Okay, and that's what you've been doing from then until now? Yeah,
1: 1990 until 2000. And um, what was it last week? No, I retired in July, actually. Well, I retired for the second time in July. I tried to retire when I was 60, but I got way too much energy to stop work. So I'm exploring what it means to not be at work when you work for yourself, and you know, you can always take a day off whenever you want. Um, Yeah. So I'm I'm exploring what that means. So somewhere in there, in 2004, I started training as a coach, as a life coach, and that took me uh, ten years to become. Yeah, I took a long way around uh, because I was working. So I, I, for me, it was the end of my working. I started when I was coaching when I was 50. And most of the people in the room were in their mid-30s and 40s. So for me, it was something of a, a treat to, to go on a course and learn something completely new, which was very much al- aligned, I think, with being an educator. It just I removed the mathematics, and I was just working on the person. And now, for example, I use a lot of these coaching skills when I'm working at, at, the, at the colleges. Um, there, I I don't teach them anything because they're supposed to know it. They're supposed to just be there to practice, but they always get stuck on something. Uh, and they say, well, can you come over and, and help me? And I go, yeah, sure. Could you read it for me? Because I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> and I go so I didn't quite catch that you hear in the voice when they're reading a word they don't they're reading asymptote and they don't know what it means so they can't read the word you you know that they don't know what they're talking about and you say I'm sorry could you explain that word to you? what does it mean and they go I don't know how would you find out where in the book is there some information how else could you find out and they go oh I'll read this I go, oh, okay <laughs> I'll never tell them to go read but I always ask them uh, and then they come back, so I, I understand it now. I so, well, you tell me about it. You, you convinced me you understand it. So they talk to me and, okay, okay now what? So what's the problem? Like, well, I don't understand this. What is it you don't understand? How much do you understand? At what point does your understanding fail? You know, take me through the problem and let me, oh, I've tried this and I've got it wrong. How do you know? <laughs> so it's basically coaching around their performance in mathematics, solving mathematical problems. And the funny thing is, um, I had a, two guys ask me for help at the same time. They both put their hands up at the same time. And I go, well, I don't know, which shall I work with? And the older guy said he can work with me first. So I parked the younger one and went over to the older. And they're working on different books. This is okay. you know, a class they normally have at least the same ballpark. They're working on different books, different problems. So I worked with the first guy and I asked him all these open-ended questions about, his thinking and his research and his understanding and where he is with the problem and the solution and how he knows it's the right answer. Then I turned to the younger guy and he goes, it's okay. I was listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. So let me ask you this. What was, you know, you've been doing this for for quite some time. What was, you know, you, you had mentioned that story before of you had, you know, basically, I don't know if you'd call it an epiphany, but the bully brought you into education. It was like an eye-opening experience for you. What other such eye-opening experiences have you had, you know, over your years where something really like made you think twice or made you look at, you know, something in a a completely different way? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Um, I remember there was, um, I was supposed to go and give a talk. there's an organisation that promotes public speakers, inspirational speakers, or whatever, and we go out and we and we go to the college and we talk to the to the students um, for free. Um, and I got to the, the school, I got to the the room, and on the door it had my name, but it said psychologists, and I'm not well. I could. Well, we so I, I opened the door and there's all these students sitting there waiting to meet me, the psychologist. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because I've prepared something else. You know, I had a speech ready, an hour, and 90 minutes. I was, you know, an hour to 90 minutes with questions at the end, okay, was prepared. And I go, right, um, my name's Martin Richards and I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> And I got them to brainstorm what would be useful for you to know from a, not a psychologist, Well, I'm a coach, what's that? Okay, right, what's a coach? Next question. They brainstormed what they thought would be useful 90 minutes of their time with this sort of guy at the front of the room. What I learned there was that preparing kills the learning when the learning is should be about students, not about the, the teacher or the, or the, the, the lecturer. I and mean, certainly I give lectures and lessons and so forth, but just that day, I had nothing more than my entire life to give them. And by letting them set the agenda, we, we had a brainstorm, and then I got a couple of things grouped together, and I had them voting, you know, what's most important, this or that. And we came up with, in about 15 minutes, we came up with an agenda for the day. And I said, I'll do my best to deliver. At the end, I asked them, what have I missed? What have I squeezed in that I like to talk about a lot? (laughs) Because they notice. Uh, And they said, thank goodness, at the end, they said, thank goodness you weren't a psychologist. (laughs) 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 Because I'd been a psychologist, I would have talked about psychology and being a psychologist and whatever I had planned, if I was that psychologist. Um, yeah. So uh, what I learned was the focus of, of teaching should be on learning, not on the teaching. And so often it's not. So yeah. often it's focuses on what the teacher does, yeah. and that's often based on a syllabus. Wow. And just that hour, that ninety minutes there, I had nothing except myself to to offer.
0: Wow. That's a great story. Wow. I can, we can sit and as far as I'm concerned, I can sit and talk with you all day. This has really, really been a pleasure. Really, really been great. I wanna wrap it up because I know we've spent already a lot of time together. Um, you know, what would you say, you know, this, this podcast is targeted towards educators, obviously, for teachers and to help them raise their awareness and to develop the relationships with their students as best as they can. Obviously, there are always limitations and there's so many things pulling at them. Um, But what advice would you give them? What would you tell them? What do you think is important for them to keep in mind, to notice, to raise their awareness around? Wow, that's a big question. If I was to pick one,
1: it would be to leave the responsibility for learning where it belongs with the learner. Now, I'm, I'm working I'm thinking here of like young teenagers, teenagers. So I don't know how it works in primary, right. but I've, I've heard it work in primary. I won't give you another story because we don't have time. Um, just <laughs> risk of that. When you leave the learner holding full responsibility for the learning, they empower themselves as learners. When you say, let me teach you that you are Telling them, you're not capable of learning. I have to teach you because you can't learn. They become dependent on. There's a risk they become dependent on the teacher for teaching them everything. They just give up. Now that's an an extreme case. Um, And I'm sure there's still space in that for teaching stuff because as a teacher, I love to teach so I like to tell stories. There's still space for that, but probably a lot less space than one normally uses for for teaching, for telling or storytelling for explaining and describing and giving instructions and telling people how to do things. Much better to leave the learning to the learner, guide them, support them in their process, make them aware of their process because they're all slightly different. Even, even in mathematics, there are multiple ways of getting to the right answer. Luckily, there is only one right answer, but there are multiple ways of getting there. And, and that's, there's a danger of teaching them the right, the right way as though it's the right way to get to the right answer. And then they'll forget something and they'll get the wrong answer because they got the, the method was incorrect. They weren't thinking, they were just following what they thought were breadcrumbs and then forgotten to think for themselves yeah um trust the learner the learners the students to be fully capable of learning and acknowledge that some need more support than others and the support would be from behind
0: not in front it's amazing that is great that is really great thank you so much for spending the time here with us and uh, like i told you i can I can listen to you tell stories all day Martin it's really really a pleasure what so what are you doing car- what are you doing currently what can we you know talk about that you're doing currently? right Do you uh, to-
1: well not surprisingly not surprisingly i um, i'm currently in my quiet stillness of retirement i'm putting two whole days a week into organizing uh, coordinating coaching support life coaching support for educators pro bono, okay. so I go out into the coaching world and I say, you, you know, what do you wanna to do to make an impact on the world, do you wanna coach? Okay, so how about coaching educators for free? Initially, I thought I was mad, but because, you know, who's gonna sign up for free? Who's gonna, when you can earn a lot of money as a coach, who's gonna sign up for free? And amazingly, people do, because they really all have teachers that they owe, that they are in debt to, and an emotional debt. Um, their position right now would have been very different had that teacher not pushed them, encouraged them, helped them become who they have become. And they know, we talk about who those teachers are and what signifies such a teacher. And we want to find teachers in the world who are going, Oh, this is hard work. You want to say, yeah, let me just get behind you. We're going to go uphill. So you di- you direct which direction? The teacher chooses direction. We just get behind them and give them a little, you know, push. That's great. So that's what we do. Uh, there's 30 mm-hmm. of us, 30 coaches now. And Good. we're offering, each coach offers four pro bono hours per yeah. term. So.
0: And how would people get in touch with you if they would want to?
1: yeah we've got a coaching website it's called coaching for educators you just search for coaching for educators it'll come up or you can go for bit.ly slash c4e pro bono and the four is a number c4e because i'm a mathematician right got to get a number in there somewhere c4e c4e pro bono and it's a bit.ly link you can put that up there on your website Okay, and that takes you immediately. That'll jump you to the to the front of the queue because if you go to the website, there's lots of information. It's easy to get lost in there. Go straight to the sign up on the Bitly link, and uh, we'll pay you up with a coach from somewhere in the world. We work as you and I are communicating right now with Zoom, Skype, and WhatsApp, and whatever works. And uh, we'll give the educator four hours of prime coaching
0: an even better job that's amazing that is fantastic and again thanks so much for coming on and looking forward to uh continuing our discussion in our facebook group and you know hearing your pearls of wisdom your very very thoughtful comments thanks again for joining us
1: that got a little choppy there you might want to take that again
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. I lost you for a second. Can you hear me now? Certainly can. Okay. I wanted to thank you for, uh, for coming on with us and I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation in our little Facebook group, which is not so little. I think there are up to about 25,000 teachers in that group. Um, you know, the teacher sharing ideas group. So looking forward to, uh, hearing your thoughts, your suggestions, your pearls of wisdom, your advice, and uh, wish you the best of luck in everything. And let's be in touch. Yeah, we'll keep in touch. Yes. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you got value from this podcast. And please, before you go, if you can just subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends, that will be really, really amazing. Thanks so much. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into the Class Stars podcast. To learn more about our vision for education, subscribe to us, visit our website, take our free training, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Join the revolution in education and become a Class Stars today, empowering educators one episode at a time.